0: Hello and welcome back to the Guys Like Us Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today I'm joined with Aaron Nequist. He's a liturgist, writer, and pastor based out of Chicago, Illinois. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Guys Like Us Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And thank you so much for joining me today. If this is your first time, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this episode. If you're a long-time listener, if you've tuned in before, uh, as always, appreciate your continued support. Um, And if you've not done so already, I greatly appreciate it if you can leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. Um, It greatly helps with the continued support and development of this podcast. Today's conversation is with Aaron Nequist, who's a liturgist, writer, and pastor based out in Chicago, Illinois, um, and we dig into his latest book, The Eternal Current, How a Practice-Based Faith Can Save Us from Drowning. Uh, in this episode, you're going to hear a lot more about the book, uh, some foundational elements um, that uh, are explored and expanded upon, uh, one of them uh, being this this image of the way that we can experience uh God in in our daily lives, um, and how this image is not only something that we can visualize um, and, and and think about in, in in this through this lens, but also can be a spiritual practice as well. More on that to come. The approach shifts the attention away from an agreement based based faith uh, that some may have experienced, and uh, changes the lens um, of seeing the end goal a little bit different. Um, in addition, uh, Aaron shares a bit more on on the liturgical practice, what that might mean if you're not familiar, the manifestations of the Spirit, uh, the difference between an in-person practice and an online sermon, uh, taking this practice back home or wherever you are, uh, many more things to come as well. Um, So without further ado, let's turn it on over to the conversation with Aaron. First off, congratulations on your latest book, *The Eternal, nice. the eternal Current: How, how a Practice-Based Faith Can Save Us from Drowning*. Um, very exciting, uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've received some a lot of you know good and maybe mixed feedback over the past yeah. uh, few months. But I, I want to, I guess, the first kind of questions I have is, hearing this title, I want to know really what you mean by an eternal current, practice-based f- practice-based faith, um, and also what readers can expect by picking up this book?
1: Yeah. Wow. Thanks for asking. Um, hello to all of you who are listening. Glad to be a part of this with you. Um, yeah. The, the, the main title is The Eternal Current. And like you said, how a practice-based faith can save us from drowning. And the metaphor of the book is, is just very simple. It's this idea that there is this great river flowing throughout history toward the redemption and restoration of all things. Um, very kind of NT right uh, kingdom, you know. Jesus called it the kingdom of God, where the the lost are being found, where the poor are being fed, where the those in bondage are being uh, set free. And um, the the maybe the key insight of the book is saying Jesus didn't say believe about the river. Jesus said, join me in it get into the water and swim with me for the sake of the world. Uh, one of the things I say in the book is Jesus didn't say, here is the truth, believe it. Jesus said, I am the truth, follow me. And so a lot of the book is just wrestling with this idea that the invitation is participation. Mm. Um, and I think I grew up in a system where it was all about being a Christian means you agree with these four truth statements, right? Right. And if you're correct about all four of them, you say a certain prayer and then you go to heaven. And that was, it's a caricature, of course, but that was the center for me. And in my young 20s, that whole thing fell apart. But thank God that's not the whole story. You know, we've been invited to join with God through Christ
0: Mm. in
1: what God is doing to redeem and restore all things. So that's kind of the idea of the eternal current.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, you spoke a bit more about your about your uh, being in, in your early twenties, and that idea yeah. kind of got shattered. Of the here's the belief system I follow, and yeah, I have to right. more so agree with these, and that's yeah. how I experience faith is by by the agreements. Which I'm, I'm starting to kind of understand and see more and more, and I think we're moving in the direction of again this practice based faith and and yeah. being more of doing or sorry, being rather than th- this is what I believe. That's exactly um, right. So I I want to kind of,
1: we're not saying that beliefs don't matter. Mm. Like beliefs matter incredibly. They're just not the end goal. You know, they're, they're part of the invitation, part of the means to align our beliefs for the sake of participation.
0: Mm. So you want to touch base a bit more on your childhood experiences and kind of your, 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 what, where, where you uh, spent a lot of your time, what you were doing and And then also a bit more on your faith journey um, going back as well. Cool.
1: Yeah, I grew up in the Chicago area. I've lived here my whole life except for seven years in Grand Rapids, but that's still Midwest. So grew up in the Midwest, Um, grew up in a Christian family um, and a very conservative tradition, the Plymouth Brethren tradition. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, And like any tradition, there are a couple things that were so profoundly helpful that that will serve me my entire life and there are, are a couple things that i've really needed to let go of and uh forgive and you know just kind of move move forward but um yeah it was so it was good
0: awesome awesome yeah. um so when i when i uh, you know announced your in the introduction one word i used and i want to clarify really what it means is okay a liturgist and or in like liturgy and i think it's something that maybe if you're um there's a lot of people i'm sure who are not familiar with this term or don't really know exactly what it means so can you share a bit more into into this word
1: yeah the word liturgy um i've i'm finding especially in circles like mine i did not grow up in a liturgical church in fact liturgy was a dirty word when i grew up like that was like dead religion what those people who don't believe the gospel do, you know, it's just really polarized, but I've come to believe, um, and understand the word liturgy just means the work of the people. So it's, it's the sense, it's what we do when we come together as the people of God. So in that way, every church has a liturgy. I mean, growing up, my church's liturgy was sing some songs, announcements, and then the message that was our liturgy. And um, so in that way, it, it's, a, it's a pretty wide word, but I, I think I'm using it more and more. I mean, I've been a worship leader, you know, professionally for, you know, almost 20 years now, which sounds crazy and makes me feel really old, but, uh, <laughs> but the worship leader um, often uh, becomes synonymous with song leader. You know, who's the guy, who's the guy often with the guitar leading the singing, And that's great. That is a part of worship. But some of what I love about liturgist is it expands it beyond just singing. It's the prayers. It's the moments of silence. It's the time of confession. It's reading the scripture aloud. It's all the different things that we do in worship. So in that way, worship leading and liturgist are the same, but maybe liturgist helps expand it just a little bit.
0: Mm. Does that does that resonate? Yeah, so what Would you say or would you agree with? Um, I know we're trying to get away from an agreeance based based base. base, base, yeah, base right. yeah. But yeah. but um. But you know. So it's a little bit more. Rather, again, expand. You expand on, on on worship. But would you say it's a little bit more structured in, in its nature? Is that kind of how it plays out? Or is there? Have you seen ways where you can be part of a liturgy that is kind of, um, say you know spirit-led or a lot more. Yeah. Experiential. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and to be honest, I feel the same invitation slash challenge as a liturgist as I did as a worship leader. Um, you know, worship leading, we would rehearse a song, and then it'd come to Sunday, and we'd do that song that exact way. We were not making anything up. You know, very, um, and that was beautiful. That, that was that was wonderful. And so, in that context, we were always trying to say, what are the off the script moments? Um, one of my friends, friends called it uh, what are the planned moments of spontaneity, which I think is beautiful. So in that context, like when I was uh, leading in a, a, a more evangelical megachurch context, like we'd be doing these songs and everything would be, you know, big and lights and all that kind of stuff. And then I'd always try to find one moment where we just stop. And I, and I would say, hey, I'm going to play the piano for like one minute before we sing this next song. I don't know what you need to say to God right now, but I do know God is listening. So go ahead and say whatever it is and just play it. It's such a simple thing, but it created a little bit of space within the program. You know, we can get mm. so programmed. And I think the same invitation for a more liturgical, um, uh, thing is we do, a, I really hope we're spirit led as we're preparing. um, but also we, we realize that God may be doing things in the moment that we couldn't have planned. And so where are the, the, mo- the, the planned moments of spontaneity? Mm. Which, Or a better way to say it is, how do we create containers and spaces where we finally get out of the way, either as a worship leader or as a liturgist, mm. and let God do what only God can do?
0: Mm. So, awesome. Yeah. So in, in those times of um, planned spontaneity, and yeah. really when people are yeah, exactly as you said, you step out of the way and let God step in where have yeah. you seen or how have you seen, what do people have people said to you about the ways that they've experienced God um, and how they're connecting to the yeah. spirit
1: I think there's two things um, one is that it, it allows, uh, just real pragmatically, those moments often help people get out of autopilot um, if you're like me you know, I, I show up at church, I drop, I you know, we have two little boys, so I drop the kids off, grab a coffee on the way in, so I'm trying to finish my coffee, and I just burn my tongue, and then I'm standing <laughs> there, and then, you know, I miss the first yes. song, so the second song, and I'm just, I am kind of just, even in my own best intentions, kind of just in autopilot, like, all right, what's this song? Oh, I like this one, you know, and so a, a moment like that, where the worship leader pauses the kind of freight train that's moving forward, and just says... What about you. Like if I personalize it, it's almost like he's saying, he's looking out at me and he's saying, Aaron, you look frazzled. <laughs> you look, um, distracted. Um, but can I remind you God is here as God is everywhere and God is listening and God wants to speak to you. And it's almost like it, it just sh- kind of shakes me out of autopilot a little bit. Mm. And then what we've heard is, um, in our busy world, many of us are pretty disconnected from our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own, many of us, if you'd say, you know, how are you, how are you feeling right now? I I would have to think, you know, those moments allow us to get in touch with our own hearts and then be able to pour those out to God. So I, I think there, it's funny that the simplest idea ends up in in a bigger context being the most spiritually helpful to people.
0: So, that's why. Mm. Interesting. Awesome. So you, you you um, uh we're we're speaking again on, um, where was I gonna go? On these, um, I, I guess on these these times where you know experiencing this experiencing a holy space, and uh, I want to know a a lot of or uh, you know what you're doing through uh, th- this idea of creating a holy space wherever you are. Um, and being in these and finding these moments of, uh, of having this personal introspection, but also being part of a community, um, want to know kind of what that, what does that mean? Create a holy space wherever you are, as I'm sure a lot of people are in the United States in particular, are experiencing their faith, uh, through a Sunday service.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, same thing in the same way, we're not, um, against beliefs, We are not against Sunday services. In Mm -hmm. fact, I've given my entire life to helping Mm. uh, curate and pastor Sunday services. So I think they really, really matter. But they matter as a springboard into the rest of our lives, not as a replacement. Um, We used to say at the end of – we started a community about five years ago, the practice. And we we said every night, and I'm not exaggerating. Every single gathering we've ever met, uh, myself or someone at the end would say, "Now remember, Sunday is not the main event. Your actual life is the main event. So may the things that we learned and practiced tonight propel you into a life of practice tomorrow and Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday evening and you know that kind of thing." Mm-hmm. So I, so I think this this idea of helping. Uh, Christ followers have tools to be able to open up to God, even when it's not a a Sunday service, Um, is so valuable because God is always with us. You know, the Psalms, where can I go from your spirit? Where Mm. can I flee from your presence? And we are always immersed in the presence of God. But we very rarely have the kind of tools and awareness that God is so near and so if there's one thing I'd love to help myself, <laughs> like I need to learn this every day and everyone I'm journeying with is, um, those simple postures that open us to what's already true, which we is, which is we are fully immersed in God's presence.
0: Hmm. I love that fully immersed in God's presence. And, yeah. and, and on that I, again, I, I think we're now with the accessibility and, where we stand with technology and the, yeah. um, and how we're continuing to promote and share the gospel. We can find it in so many, di- um, so many different ways. Again, through this, yeah. this audio podcast right here, we're connecting yeah. and share, sharing and talking about God. But yeah. I want to know, you know, what does this, you know, community, community, holy space, or like a in-person, um, practice-based faith, like what does that offer that's different than, than someone going on and hearing the word through through a, an online sermon
1: yeah that's a, what a wonderful question hey it's almost like you've been doing this for a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> nice nice job you're a good uh, good interviewer um okay uh, can I use a kind of a silly analogy that I use in the book um, and it, it's this idea that uh, say i I realize I'm out of shape and I'm like I signed up for the Chicago Marathon nine months from now. And so I go to the local Lifetime Fitness or the local fitness center and say, would you help me train for this marathon? I'm out of shape and I need help. And they're like, of course, we'd love to help you. Come back to this room. We have this like auditorium set up and we're going to have a band lead you in some songs. And then we're going to have a marathon fitness expert give a 45 minute lecture about marathon running. You'd go back and you'd love the music and you'd learn a ton because this person's really smart. But then they'd say, "Come back one week from now and we'll do this again. Come back next week, we'll do it again. Come back." And you realize, like, my brain is 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 getting so full of all this great information, which really matters. But my legs are no, I'm not a single step closer to being able to run a marathon. And I think that's the the dilemma we find ourselves in. And I'm talking specifically, you know, about a church service that's that is often about great music and inspiration, and then kind of a lecture based. But I think that would apply to to podcasts. Um, you could listen to the ten greatest podcasts on marathon running um, every day for ten years and not get one step closer. At a certain point. You need someone who has a, a plan like, all right, six months out, you should be running this much five months out. You should be, you know, those, Mm -hmm. those plans of people who have gone before. And then more than the plan, you got to get your butt out on the trail. Mm. And as you know, a lot of it is up to your own discipline, but at the end of the day, none of us can do it alone. Mm. Uh, my, my wife ran a marathon a number of years ago, and she would describe herself as a passionate non-runner. So she just did it as part of uh, uh, raising some money um, with World Vision, and then she wanted the personal challenge, and it's really beautiful. But she told me later, um, they did their long runs on Saturday, and they all met at a bike trail. Uh, it was about 15-minute drive for Shauna. And she said, I never once... Wanted to go when my alarm rang Saturday morning, but she said I knew my people were there, and I didn't want to let them down. And plus, I was a part of this with them, and it's just the realization that we can't do it alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, so if you know, f- for people who are listening now, and maybe even talking to myself, if you're, yeah. you know, you're on board, you say, all right, great, let's let's do this practice-based faith. Yeah. So yeah. where like where do I start? What are what are ways that I can that I can be part of this? You know, is it is it through you know going to going to church and taking an active role or how 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 does this look
1: that's beautiful that's a great question um there are it's like there's two sets of practices and they're all valuable um one there is kind of the the historic set of spiritual disciplines and those like a, a real a wonderful place to start is celebration of the discipline by richard foster that's kind of one of the classic Christian um, spiritual disciplines books. And he talks about a set of practices that are uh, practices of engagement and then pra- a set of practices that are disengagement. And so there's, there are practices like prayer, like studying the scriptures, um, like confession, confessing our sins to one another. There are practices like the Sabbath, like silence, like giving, um, sacrificial serving, kind of this historic, you know, for 2,000 years, um, these are the uh, the practices that have been uh, uh, practiced by Christians for 2,000 years. But then there's also a whole group of, uh, you know, I, I sometimes joke about like crazy make up practices, and I think while they don't have the anchoring to the history, um, they can also be wildly powerful. We have one in our in our in our community um, um, our friend Kelly Fabian she created this practice and it's really simple. Uh, we, we used to do it maybe quarterly on a Sunday night where she would bring six photographs of things that are going on in the country and in the world, usually three in our country, three in the world. And she would lead us in about a 20 or 30 minute time of reflection and prayer for the people in these photographs. And she it was wonderful. Like she would put up a photograph of a protest going on and she'd zero in on one person's face and just say, what do we think's going on in their life right now, in their heart? Um, what You think they're married. You think they're somebody's kid. And just like help us engage the humanity. Mm. And then in that context, she'd say, now, in your little group, usually we break up in groups of two or th- two or three, spend some time praying that God's will would be done and God's kingdom would come in that person and through that person. I was mean, it's just, it was, it took these um, issues <laughs> and took them out of the realm of, you know, partisan issues into human reality and spiritual reality. Mm-hmm. And I know, at least for me, I couldn't have done that without that simple praying for the world through images practice. Mm. So does that make sense?
0: No, it does, and I think yeah. just in that last example there, that it really validates this idea of yes, some someone is praying for you, right? If someone mm-hmm. is praying from mm-hmm. you for how, right. however many thousands of miles away or whatever that could be yeah. for that individual yeah. person, I think that's a, that that's a good mantra powerful, for powerful. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Uh, one of my mentors says that. Spiritual disciplines all these different practices. He says when you boil it down They are all doing the same thing. They are simple ways To help us offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice mm. you No, know Romans 12. They're all just simple ways to say God Here I am um, we, we do a lot with silence and centering prayer and some of these ways of opening up beyond words words are critically important. And there are some things that God uh, seems to be able to do once we stop filling the air with our words and listen. And it's so difficult. I mean, I don't know how comfortable you are with silence, but none of us, even us introverts, (laughs) when it boils down to it, are great at sitting there in God's presence, open, not forcing our words into the situation letting god be god letting god speak and but these these practices just like you know exercises or whatever over time form us into kinds of people who can hear god's voice um anywhere
0: and so it's it's yeah
1: it's it's very powerful
0: that's awesome um last uh actually a few more questions i want to get into Um, um want to know, um, you know, when you, I guess, have shipped, sh- when you personally shifted from um, the, you know, what your experience in, uh, in, in church and then kind of in your 20s, it sounded yeah. like it was kind of a, maybe a catalyzing moment or moments yeah. that ended up yeah. really kind of pivoting your faith into um yeah. A continuation, but also maybe an addition and a subtraction of different elements. Yeah. But well wa- I wanted to know, um, what did it offer and when, what does it continue to offer different differently than your previous experience r- really on a yeah. personal level?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think one thing that's important to be said is some of my shifts from a belief, kind of more beliefs based to a more practice based. were not like, um, intellectual decisions they were moments of desperation. Hmm. It felt, for me, it felt spiritual life or death to me. Um, Something had ended. My faith was over. And I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that, but it was dark, it was scary, it was weird, it was numbing, it was all sorts of things. So it really came out of a, I haven't lost faith in Christ, I don't think. I probably maybe maybe at some moments I I did but there's got to be a new way for me to get swept up in Jesus teaching and Jesus life for the sake of the world there's just there's got to be so yeah for me it was it was way more an act of desperation it was it was death and resurrection not just like Oh, wow, this will be an interesting, new, cool way to, you know, like it was, is a little more dramatic, but I think to answer your question directly, um, I, I really, I, I think I can say with, with all honesty, I've never been more thankful to be a Christian than I am right now. And that, if you knew me that that's saying something <laughs> that mm-hmm. is, um, I tend to be a, I'm an artist. I tend to be a little more cynical, a little more melancholy, I can always see what's wrong in everything. Mm. And, you know, it's a real gift to my wife and my friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but there is something that this path is, keeps bringing me back to, which is even though the church is so screwed up, and even though I am so screwed up, and even though I follow Christ in, uh, so poorly, The actual Jesus Christ, the teachings that we see. I mean, look at the Beatitudes. Um, Read Mm -hmm. the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most stunningly beautiful, subversive, potentially world-changing invitation ever extended to the world. I mean, really? Pray for those who curse you? Bless your enemies? Really? Um, But what if we did that? I mean, how would the world change if we instead of trying to kill anyone who disagreed with us, we tried to bless them and learn from them I mean, literally change the world in 24 hours? Um, and so I, I think this is maybe a long winded way of saying um, the invita- the the teachings and invitation of Christ seem only more important and beautiful now. Um, even in the midst of how the church messes it up so much.
0: Mm. So what I'm kind of gathering here is for you, it wasn't so so much of an intellectual kind of a mind, um, way of kind of rethinking and, uh, and maybe progressing, but, but rather got more to, to the heart and to the body. In terms, yeah, I
1: think so. Yeah. I, I have a spiritual director and, and he always says, Aaron, you're not a brain on a stick. You are a fully embodied mm. image of your creator mm. and so he he's actually helped a lot he's a really intellectual guy he's read more books than most <laughs> of us have ever seen um, but but he he just says that's so important but it's not enough mm. um, we are interconnected like you can't separate your head from your heart you can't mm. separate your heart from your the cells in your body you can't have you know it's we're all we're all we're all one right mm. if we're healthy Um, I think, uh, when we're unhealthy, we do separate all these things. And so to try to bring all these things together. So, yeah, I mean, the intellectual journey has been really, really important. And Mm. again, I've read so many books and they have shaped me deeply.
0: Um, and it wasn't enough on its own. Mm. Um, I want to know what, what advice would you have to your younger self?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, it would be some, it would be some combination of be kinder to yourself. You are, you're definitely screwing up a lot, but so is everyone. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. God knows that. So a be kind, but B don't give up. Don't sell out. Don't say this is too hard. I'll just settle. Be kind, but keep going.
0: Last uh, two questions I have. Um, yeah. What is one thing that we did not cover, um, but is on your heart, and you would uh, like, like mm-hmm. to share? Whether this is from um, more on your book, more on your, uh, you know, other aspects of your ministry or your personal journey, uh, yeah. really anything.
1: Yeah, I think maybe I would just do. Do an underline, I would underline on one of the things that we were saying, which is, um, I, I know I got into this idea that God was only in certain locations. And um, a lot of our job was to convince God to come near. And we'd either do this by singing the right song on Sunday, and you know God would show up or, uh, deeper and a little more dangerous, we do this by performing Christianly. You know, if I'm, if I do my, my prayer quiet time perfectly every day, then God will, you know, trying to convince God with our good actions. And there is a correlation of that in the scriptures and it's the Pharisees, right? We can control God by our religiousness and That is not the invitation of Christ. In fact, you can see how he spoke to those people who are trying to do that. Um, But I think the good news is so much better. It is God's already here. There's there's no convincing you need to do to move God from far to close. God is already here. Um, Dallas Willard talks about our father... Who art in heaven, um, a really legitimate translation could be our father who fills the heavens, you know, the atmosphere. And then another teacher, John Ortberg, says, We could even take that and say, Our father who is closer than the air we breathe. Mm. So all this idea of dancing and perfecting to get God to come close is not the way of Jesus. So the way of Jesus is, God, thank you for being close. How can I open up and join you in your presence? You know, And that precisely is all I'm trying to say about a practice-based faith. What are the humble, simple ways that we can every day, maybe even every moment, open ourselves up to the God who's been here all along?
0: And then uh, finally, I want to know where we can find you, the work that you're doing, and and also the book.
1: Yeah, I have everything under my website right now, which is just aaronnequist.com, A-A-R-O-N, and then n-i-e-q-u-i-s-t.com. And that has uh, all the stuff you need about the book. Obviously, you can find the book on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all that kind of stuff. Um, But it also has uh, a project that I've been working on for a number of years called A New Liturgy. And we recorded, I think we're up to six right now. I'm working on number seven right now. But just a series of recorded um, kind of modern uh, liturgies that help you, you know, like I said, turn your car into a rolling sanctuary or, you know, like you said earlier, creates holy space wherever you find yourself. Um, So that's all. uh, You can find that all at AaronEquist.com.
0: AaronEquist.com. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for for joining me today.
1: Thanks for the invitation.